You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great, good morning. I'm really excited about being together. Jamie and Charlotte, we think you guys are doing great. You guys are, I mean, we love having you here at this church. Somebody asked me this week how old Rosemary is, and I said it was November, wasn't it? I couldn't remember the exact day off the top of my head, but you guys just haven't stopped being a part of this church, throwing your lot in, and you are doing so well, and we are so proud of you. Um, I know you're looking a little tired there, if I could say totally honest, Charlotte. I'd just like to say that I think things could well get worse. I don't know if you're a parent here today, but the kids can end up colouring on the wall or the dog. And, uh, and so I was just thinking, golly, what do I say on a morning like this when suddenly we're just trying to think about it? The reality is that if you are a parent, you know that it doesn't just stop with the wall and dog and that some kids colour on other kids. This can be uh, quite awkward if you're the parent of the one on the left. You think, what on earth are you doing that? I found another picture on the internet of how kids help unpack the shopping when it gets home. This boy apparently went through 12 toilet rolls and still couldn't find what was in the middle. (laughs) That's part of the challenge of being a parent, isn't it? I guess the other thing, if we're really honest, as being a parent, is that your kids grow up and they just help themselves in the fridge. And you're never quite sure what the kids are going to be doing, where they're going to be going. The reality is, if we're brutally honest, we could say, oh, these kids get up to all kinds of things. We probably get up to all kinds of things. It's not just the kids this morning that I want to talk to. Uh, If you drive, if you drive a car this morning, I want to challenge you, have you ever been speeding? Oh, I I found this week uh, the story of a lady that was doing 54 in a 30 mile an hour speed limit and she had six inches of snow on the car. The police officer pulled her over. And she goes, I knew I was going fast. I was just trying to get the snow off my windshield so that I could see where I was going. You see, the reality is that most of us, when something goes wrong, just think, how could we get our way out of it? How could we lie? How could we get covered? Another guy was stopped for speeding, and he said, this is the absolute truth, I wasn't speeding, I just got a haircut, and it makes me look fast. (laughs) It's funny, isn't it, how we can end up denying our actions. Another person caught speeding said this, I'm sorry, officer, for speeding, but without my glasses, I can hardly see the speedometer. It's suddenly quite scary, isn't it? I guess the truth is that Rosemary's going to grow up in a culture where we don't often like to accept responsibility for the things that we've done wrong. If we're really honest, we all live in a culture where self-expression has replaced self-restraint. That actually, I'd like to express who I am and my personality, and I'd like other people to discover me, rather than necessarily having some self-restraint. Is that the right thing to be doing right here, right now? If we're honest, Rosemary's going to be growing up in a culture where excitement has replaced virtue. And it's no longer necessarily whether it's the right thing to do, but does it give me a thrill or a buzz? Do I get pleasure from it? If we're really honest, Rosemary's going to grow up in a culture where personality has replaced character. We're now caught up in celebrities and photo opportunity rather than necessarily what's going on on the inside. 
I think the challenge for being a parent is this. We can never totally shape their behavior, but we'd love to challenge the heart. And I guess that would be my thing. We're looking at this whole series of, uh, in Lent called 40 Days. And actually, what I'm going to be looking at this morning is a word we probably don't talk about, but I think gets right to the heart, and it is called repentance. I'm going to pray. Father, we want to thank you so much that you are the perfect father to us. As we want to pray for Jamie and Charlotte today to be great parents, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray that we don't get held back but I pray that you get right into our hearts. We, we don't just want to put on this external good show. We want to be different on the inside. Please would you speak to us for your glory. Amen. So if I say the word repent to you, you might say, Pete, I'm not really sure what that's about. I would say it's very similar to the word sorry. But even if we're honest, what does the word sorry mean? I grew up with two brothers fairly competitive, three boys. We used to play a game called Sorry. It was a board game. I don't know if any of you have ever played it. The reality was you had this counter and you went around the board and you had to get them all the way round, four counters and home. And the idea was knock off your opponents and try and be as aggressive as you could about it. But you always had to say the nice word Sorry. So you'd knock them off, send them home. I'm sorry. I wasn't sorry at all. I would rather lose the game and hurt my brothers, you know what I'm saying, than almost advance myself. That is so different to the word repent. Repent means to feel such sorrow for sin or fault as to be disposed to change one's life for the better. I guess you could say that repent really means to turn around, to change your direction, to have a new start in your heart. Wayne Grudem, who's a theologian and professor, says this, Repentance is a heartfelt sorrow for sin, a renouncing of it and a sincere commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience to Christ. As part of this 40 days, we've been looking at things that we need to sacrifice so that we can encounter him. And last week, John stirred us about prayer, the sacrifice of prayer that we might encounter God. I guess this morning I'd like to bring us the challenge of how good we are at repenting, of genuinely saying sorry, so that we can know him. It's not a word we often like to talk about. And yet it's a huge theme in the whole of the Bible. So we honestly believe here that the Bible is God's word. We believe that, you know, that he used people to write this, to send a message to us. And if you flick through the Bible, you would see that repentance is a massive theme. In fact, the whole 40 days, and, and we're doing this about Lent, we said was based on, one of the pictures was to do with Jesus who'd been in the desert for 40 days. It's funny because the, the moment that Jesus came out of the desert... Sorry, the moment before, sorry, he got baptized by John. John was his cousin. This was the start of the New Testament. There'd been silence for 400 years. Jesus comes on the scene, he gets baptized, and John preaches a message. It says in Matthew 3, verse 1, the first word of his message was this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That, that was the challenge. I don't know about you, I'd much rather show you the pictures of people speeding because you're all laughing and you're with me. And even if I say the word, people just don't want to look me in the eye. It's like being on the tube this morning. Everybody's there, but nobody's quite looking. 
because suddenly it's a challenging word, isn't it? Jesus himself came, and we read about it in Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four accounts of the life of Jesus in the New Testament. When he comes, the first word that he says in Matthew 4 is this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So John, his cousin, had come and his message was repent. Jesus came and his message was repent. Peter was one of the, the, the 12 disciples. In fact, some would say he was the leader of the disciples. There was 12 and there was an inner core of three and Peter was one of those. Well, when Jesus has, has died, he's risen again, he's returned to heaven, the Holy Spirit comes and it's called Pentecost. And you can read about it in the book of Acts. And Peter gets up to preach. What do you think Peter says? He's been hanging around Jesus for three years. He's been hanging around Jesus trying to find out, well, what's the whole purpose? What's the whole thing? Peter says this in Acts 2, 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's funny, isn't it? John the Baptist comes. Jesus comes. Peter comes. Paul Paul wrote 13 out of 27 of the New Testament books. So in the Bible, there's 27 books as part of the New Testament. Paul came, and and what was his theme? His theme was this. We can read about it in 2 Corinthians 12. I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented. Paul was writing to the church and saying, Do you know what? How good are you at saying sorry? How good are you at saying sorry? It's hard, isn't it? Wasn't it Elton John who used to sing, sorry seems to be the hardest word? You know, there's there's a whole thing. I was thinking about it this week, and I remember one of the times I was quickest to say sorry was when I was at school. I know you'd probably find it hard to believe because I'm actually preaching this morning, but I wasn't the best pupil at school. One Friday afternoon, I remember it quite clearly, I'd been uh, kicked out of the classroom. So I was stood outside, it was a science lesson. And in those days, the headmaster used to cane people. And so I'm stood outside like this, and the class is going on inside, and the headmaster walks along and obviously is not impressed that this pupil is no longer in class. So he just knocks on the door and says to the teachers, shall I take this boy away and cane him? Now, I don't know about you, what might have been the first words on your lips? My first word, I think I need the toilet. But actually, the first thing I said was, I'm really sorry, sir. You see, suddenly I was panicking. I thought, I'm in, I'm, I'm in for it. Funny, isn't it? What are the reasons that we say sorry? Well, if the Bible actually gives us some. Why repent? Why would we say Sorry. But the Bible would even say that actually there is a God who created. He made all the details of this world. It, it was not made by accident. When you look at Rosemary and you, you look at those little fingernails, and that, you just think it's incredible, isn't it? There's a designer, and we give an account to him. And actually, there's this message in, in Matthew. The axe is laid to the root of the tree. It's almost like that there will come a time when we will be judged. And it's much better to say sorry. Just in case you're panicking now, I didn't get caned by the headmaster. My sorry got me out of it, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes there can be that sort of challenge, can't there? Why else does the Bible say we'd say sorry? Well, I think the Bible says that if you say sorry, then you get the privilege of entering the kingdom of God. 
I uh, had a meeting this week in the town hall and I got to go into the, the council chamber. Well, I've never been in there before, but I've seen lots of meetings go on there. The citizenship ceremony tends to take place in there. And so when I've been here helping with the little fish on a Tuesday, all these people are turning up and they're all dressed smart because they want to go there because they want to become a citizen. And I think the reality is they've paid a lot of money to do that. How do you become a citizen of heaven? That's a good idea. See, I could send the offering around. We could tell you that you could buy your way in. But the reality is that's not true. You cannot buy your way into the kingdom of heaven. It's not the works that you do. It's by saying sorry for what you've done. That's how we enter. You see, the reality is the Bible would say the things that we say, think, or do that are wrong, the Bible would call that sin. If we say sorry, he forgives us. (laughs) I mean, it seems too good to be true, doesn't it? Wrong people accept their life is not perfect and they're forgiven. We read about that in Acts chapter 3. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. If we're really honest, when we do something wrong, so often we can feel a sense of guilt or shame. I hope nobody discovers that I did that. I hope nobody finds out that it was me. There's just that awkwardness, isn't there? But actually, the Bible says if we say sorry, we're forgiven. Oh, there's nothing quite like that, is there? Oh, that that, that fresh start, that brand new start. That is why we would repent. Why else does the Bible say repent? Because we respond to the grace of God. You see, if somebody loves you, and they love you, and they love you... You just get worn down and you think, wow, I'm, I'm really sorry I've let you down. I'm really sorry I've not done maybe quite what I could have done or should have done. It says in Romans 2, do, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I was worried about a headmaster because I thought he was going to cane me. God is much more like a father he just wants to love you. Joseph brought that when we were in the worship, wasn't it? Oh, he loves us. Sometimes it's easier to say sorry, isn't it? So I believe that if we look at this, this this 40 days, this sense of repentance, this is all part of Lent, I believe that it is life-changing. Life-changing. I mean, how about that? Totally life-changing. The gospel is this. God is holy. He is perfect. We have done wrong. We're separated from God. But Jesus died in our place. He took our punishment. By faith, we receive his rewards. Billy Graham, some would have considered the the greatest preacher ever of the last century, said the wonderful news is that our Lord is a God of mercy and he responds to repentance. Oh, I love that, don't you? I'm, I'm sorry. He responds. This is wonderful news. Wonderful news that we're not the keep to ourselves. This is wonderful news worth spreading, isn't it? When I was a student, um, we had an internal telephone from our halls of residence so that if there was a fire or something, you could call the officer and they would come over. You know, we didn't have mobile phones in those days. Yeah. Um, I'm older than I look, or maybe I look that old. 
Somebody in the next room to me managed to wire our internal security phone into the external BT socket so you could make free calls anywhere in the world. Now, it's funny, isn't it? Because our halls of residence, there was only 27 people in my halls of residence, but there was always a queue for the phone. I don't know why. We never put a sign up. Nobody, you know, but word of mouth got around. You can make free international calls from the phone call. From the box outside Roper Annex, which is where I was in my halls. You see, good news travels, doesn't it? A friend of mine was telling me, he's a bank manager, that by mistake, they put £20 notes in the cash machine where they should have put £10 notes. So whatever people were taking out, they got double. He said it was amazing because it just kept emptying until they realised what they'd done. He said it was entirely their own fault. But good news spreads. This is the kind of thing that we're talking about this morning. It is great news. Tragically, last year, the police were called because two of my neighbours were fighting in the street. Because people can't say sorry, and so they can't get on with one another. Tragically, you, you know of work colleagues that won't look each other in the eye because they fell out a year ago. Tragically, I hear of parents that haven't spoken to their own children because they've not been able to say sorry. So actually, this whole thing, which seems like a hard word, can actually bring life into relationships. It says in Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I was telling you the four accounts of the life of Jesus. It says, watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. You see, this whole thing of repentance gives us a great relationship with God and also gives us a great relationship with one another. We we don't need to be the neighbors that fall out. We don't need to be those that have lost touch with our own family. How good are you at saying sorry even in your own marriage? Fortunately, my wife is on the kids this week, so uh, I can get away with saying whatever I fancy. The guy who's written a book, Gary Chapman, called The Five Love Languages, has also written a book about the five languages of apology. Who's heard of the book, The Five Love Languages? Yeah, so they talk about how to express love, and the reality is that you can do it through words, actions, gifts, touch, and time. But who's heard about the book, The Five Languages of Apology? That's funny, isn't it? So as a society, we all like to love. But do we really want to say sorry? And he's come up with these five ways that he would say, these are ways of expressing apology. You can express regret. You say, I'm sorry for what I did. If your husband or his wife is asking you to take notes now, I'd encourage you just to do it fairly quietly. Accept responsibility. I was wrong. Making restitution. What can I do to make it right? Request forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? What he calls it genuine repenting. I'll try not to do that again. You see, I think that that this... Lent 40-day thing that we're looking at actually should give us a richer life. I think this is something that I'd encourage Jamie and Charlotte to teach their 
perfect looking bundle that you could never imagine would do anything wrong. The reality is that we know as parents we have to teach our kids to accept responsibility. We have to teach them that our actions affect others. There are rules in life, but apologies make friendships. And just as I'd love to encourage you as parents, I want to encourage us all to think, how is that true for me? Now, I know that this can seem, oh, golly, a real challenging thing. What I love about the Bible is even though there's a challenge, you feel there's a sense of excitement about this. What do I mean by that? Well, if you've got a Bible, you could look it up when you get home, or the verses will come up here. In Luke, Jesus tells three stories. The first story is about the lost sheep. And there's a farmer, and he's got 100 sheep, and he loses one. Well, I don't know about you or me, but if I'd ever got 99 in an exam, I'd have been delighted. But actually, this farmer is not. 99 is not good enough. One is lost. He goes and finds the one. It tells us in Luke 15, verse 7, that he brings the one lamb back, the one sheep. There's, he got it on his shoulders, and there's this sense of excitement. And the verse says, I tell you in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. I don't know where you are this morning. You might sit here and think, Pete, I don't think I need to say sorry. That you might just be the one here this morning that says, actually, I think I do. Well, it says here there'll be rejoicing. He then tells another story. And the next story is of a lost coin. And this lady has got these coins, and she's in her house, and she loses one. And instead of thinking, oh, well, I've got the rest. One is not bad out of ten. She turns the whole house upside down until she finds this one coin. And then she literally tells all her friends, I found the coin, it was lost, and I've got it. And it says in Luke 15, verse 10, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I find that a fascinating phrase, don't you? There is rejoicing. Rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. But whenever we understand something of heaven, we understand that there are angels all around and the angels are singing. But what are they focused upon? They're focused upon God. So if there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels, it must be God who's doing the rejoicing. And so suddenly you find that it's not just the angels that are getting excited. God is getting excited. It's almost like, you know, the angels could be going, oh, isn't that great? Somebody said sorry on earth and we're thrilled about it. But actually the picture is, no, God in heaven is going, isn't that amazing? Somebody has repented and he's getting excited about it. And almost we could miss that. And so Jesus then tells another parable. And the third and final parable is of the prodigal son. And if you know this, you know that there was a dad and he had two sons. And one said, golly, I'm fed up with you being alive. I want my inheritance now. I wish you were dead. Give me my money. So he gets his money and he goes. And he goes off to this land, which is a a far off land. And he squanders this money on wild living and prostitutes. And he ends up with nothing. So he's eating pig's food. He's a Jewish lad. Get the picture. So he turns around goes back and says, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Let me be your servant. But actually, the father sees him and runs and embraces him. 
I don't know about you, the thing I find most shocking about that, I never hear the son say sorry. Because the father runs so quickly. I don't know where you are in your heart right now. But I know the father delights in hearing, oh, I'm sorry right in my heart. He delighted in the son that turned around and came back. We don't serve a God who condemns. Jesus didn't just tell these stories. He lived it out. I told you that Peter was the lead disciple. Well, I would think that because my name is Peter, but I think it's in the Bible as well. Unfortunately, when Jesus goes up for trial, Peter denies Jesus. He doesn't deny him once or twice. He denies him three times. No, no, I didn't know him. No, no, I'm nothing to do with him. Peter was walking away in denial, embarrassed of his Lord. Peter feels guilty, the cock crows, he weeps. Jesus dies. He rises again. And it tells us in the Gospel of John that Jesus says to Peter, Were you sorry? No, it never tells us that at all, does it? How do you think I felt? I needed you and you weren't there for me. What does it say? Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? He didn't come to condemn him. He says, do you love me? He says, you know I love you. So he says it again, do you love me? (laughs) You know I love you, Lord. He says, do it one more time. Do you love me? He says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. When we come to repent, it comes with that attitude of love. You see, the danger is we still approach God like I did my headmaster. I think he's going to hit me, so I better get in sorry quick. Whereas actually what the Bible teaches is he's a father who loves us. And he delights. He delights. When we say sorry, he forgives. The first verse I learned in the Bible was 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins... He's faithful and just and will forgive us from all unrighteousness. This is what this is all about. So we could think, oh, is this a really heavy thing? This morning's 40 days, Pete, and I've got to repent. Or we could think, actually, I know there's a father who's running towards me. I know there's a risen savior who's saying, do you love me? He's not coming to beat me with what I've not done right. He's coming to say, I want to welcome you home. This, I believe, for Christians, should be a daily activity. Repenting. When I walk to the office, I have a little acronym that I use for praying. It's ACTS. Some of you, I'm sure, would have heard of it. I always think my first prayer, God, I want to adore you today. God, I want to adore you. I adore you for who you are. My second prayer is this. God, I want to confess what I've done wrong. My third prayer would be, God, I want to be thankful for the opportunities today. My fourth prayer is supplication. Not an easy word, but it's the only way I could make acts. Well, I'm going to say, God, I need you for today. As Christians, we should come every day and ask for forgiveness. It's not a once-off. I became a Christian on the 12th of June, 1977. 
That was when I first prayed, I'm sorry, I repent, please forgive me. But actually, this would be something that, not just for 40 days, I'm hoping these 40 days, it stirs us in our heart. And we realize when I say sorry to God, I can come with a clean conscience. When I say sorry to my brother, to my sister, to my wife, to my kids, it just makes life so much better. I can say sorry knowing that his arms are there waiting to forgive me. Just as I close, have you ever said sorry to God? Because you'll have a chance this morning. Are you aware that you've said sorry a long time ago, but you've not said sorry recently? Because there'll be a chance this morning. Or is it that you need to say sorry to somebody else? The devil condemns us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. I'm just going to pray and then these guys are going to lead us. I'm not here to condemn you, but if the Holy Spirit speaks, I encourage you to respond. Father, I want to thank you that you are a God who loves. I thank you there's a party not just in heaven. There's a party of our Father in heaven for one person who repents. I thank you, Jesus, you paid the price on a cross. That it's not just a quick, I'm sorry. You took my punishment so that when I'm sorry, I'm forgiven, I'm accepted, I'm loved. I pray for any today who've never said sorry to God, that this could be their opportunity. I pray for those who have done it before and think, do you know, I've just let things build up. I need to say sorry. Sorry, God, I'm independent. Sorry, I'm cynical. Sorry, I'm hard-hearted. Sorry I get angry. Sorry I get bitter. And I pray you give us the strength to say sorry to one another. In Jesus' name, amen.